0: with me, if you will, to Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 2, and we'll be reading in verse 41. I like the uh, Sylvester Stallone movies, Rockies, y'all, have have y'all ever seen those? Well, in Rocky 3, Sylvester Stallone, who plays Rocky, uh, is defeated by Mr. T. And uh, he is down, he is defeated, and, you know, Apollo Creed's trying to, to train him. And, and they're out running on the beach. And finally, Rocky begins to, to tire, and he begins to slow down. And and, and so uh, he eventually just stops, and, and Apollo keeps running. And uh, finally, his wife comes over, and they begin to, to have an argument. And she said, "Why are you doing this? Why are you Why are you acting this way?" And and finally, he admits, "I'm afraid." And she she challenges him to to face his fear, and to uh, approach this this fight that he's supposed to be uh, fighting uh, with confidence. He give it his best to face his fear, or he'll never uh, he'll regret it the rest of his life. And so he does, and of course. As in most movies, he wins at the end, you know. But, you know, we as God's people sometimes can be distracted by things. It may be fear. Uh, it may be something else in your life that distracts you from being devoted to God. But, you know, devotion's an important thing. And just like a, a fighter uh, has to be devoted to his training if he's going to win a fight, so also, as God's people, we need to be devoted to God or we cannot win the spiritual battle that we are waging. We must be devoted. We need to to be devoted to God because he has said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And he has told us that as we do that, as we love our neighbor as ourselves, that God's blessing will be um, with us. And that we'll be able to do the things he's called us to do. But he's also said, when a church leaves its first love, he takes away the lampstand. That's what Revelation says. So this matter of devotion, this matter of loving God as the number one priority of your life is not a light matter. It's a very serious matter. Very important for us to consider. And here in this scripture in Acts, Luke shares with us, as we talked about last week, the things to be devoted to as a result of what God was doing in their lives. They devoted themselves to several things, to to the word, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, or or to remembering Christ, and to prayer. Uh, They were to devote themselves to these things. But he also then describes the result of their devotion. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. The importance of devotion, what is the result of our being devoted to God? What will God do when we are devoted to him as the number one priority of our lives? And that's what each and every one of us needs to be. So let's, let's look at this scripture, Acts 2 and verse 41. So those who accepted his message were baptized that day. About 3,000 people were added to them, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, ...to the breaking of bread and to prayers. Then fear came over everyone, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and had everything in common. So they sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all uh, as anyone had need. And every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple complex and broke bread from house to house... They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And every day the Lord added to them those who were being saved. The first thing I want you to see uh, is in the importance of devotion is that our devotion brings the fear of God. It brings the fear of God. It says, then fear, verse 43, then fear came over everyone. Fear. What's he talking about there? Well, this is the fear of God. This is that that respect, that fear of knowing that God is at work, that God is, is in the midst of these people and they're seeing things happen that God only could do, and they're seeing prayers answered, and they're seeing people change, and as a result, they recognize that God's real, and that God needs to be paid attention to, and they begin to fear God. Now, some people try to explain away the fear of God, and it does include the idea of respect, but it also includes a little bit of the idea of fear, too. Uh, Matter of fact, a good example of that, if you go a little farther in Acts, Ananias and Sapphira are put to death because they lie to the Holy Spirit. And that's another story. But, but the Bible says that great fear came upon all. Now, I don't think they're just talking about respect. I think they're talking about fear. If, I, if we had two people that uh, maybe your Sunday school teacher stands up and says, God declares that you've lied to the Holy Spirit and you're going to die, and they fall dead, I bet there'd be some fear. Uh, they, they, There was some fear that was happening there. They were seeing these amazing things take place. I want to tell you, when the supernatural work of God is is present among his people, not only will God's people fear him, but the world will begin to see and take notice, and there will be a fear of God that spreads from the people of God. And so that was the first thing that happened. There was a fear of God. I, I remember the story of Joseph in Genesis. They had... Um, This situation where Joseph had a dream about all of his brothers and his parents bowing down to him. And his brothers took offense at it. And uh, they eventually sold him into slavery in Egypt. And he was a slave in Egypt for a number of years. And as you know the story, he's eventually released from his slavery and promoted to the second in authority over all the land of Egypt. And his brothers come down there looking for food because there's a drought. And they are in great fear of Joseph. Even more so, they come back a second time because he sends them away. He speaks harshly to them. They're already afraid. But then he says these words. He says, I am Joseph. Then they got really afraid. Because they remembered Joseph pleading in the pit as they were about to sell him into slavery. They remembered what they did to him, and they thought, this man is the most powerful man besides Pharaoh. This man can put us to death. He just has to give a word. And they were afraid because of the great power they saw. You know one reason that many people in this world don't have respect for Christianity? is because they don't see the power of God. When we are devoted to God, God brings the fear of God. Secondly, we need to, not only do we need to be devoted so that God will bring the fear of God, but we need to be devoted so that God will bring His supernatural power. The, verse 43 says, "The fear came over everyone, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. I believe God heals people today. We've seen him do it here in this church. We've, we've prayed and seen God heal. And when the doctor said there was no hope, we've seen it happen. The power of God is shown in those circumstances. And, you, you know, they had this happening. It was a commonplace thing. They were seeing God work in all of these amazing ways. The power of God had fallen. And people were amazed. They were, they were just... Their mouths were hanging open at what God was doing in changing people's lives. Have you ever wondered how it was that people had an interest in the things of God? And it says the Lord was adding to to them each day, those who are being saved. But what is it that provoked that interest? Well, it was because there was something supernatural happening. You see, the world has all kinds of things out there for people to do. What sets us apart as a people, is the fact that we have the presence of God. And when His power is upon His people, and God is answering prayer, and God is working in your life, people at your workplace are going to notice. When you're sharing about those answered prayers, and you're sharing about how God has met a need, and you're sharing about things that God has done, uh, people will, will take notice of that. The power of God working in your life. God exercised His power in a marvelous way when He saved my soul. He changed my heart, and I remember um, I was I was in fifth grade, uh, and I went to, I went back to school, and I was in school for several days, and finally one of my buddies asked me he said, "Why aren't you cussing?" I said I hadn't heard you cuss in several days, and I said, "Well, I gave my heart to Christ," and it, you know He saw a difference there now. It, some of you are saying, well, you know, <laughs> that's not that big a deal. But it, it, it came from my heart. There, there was a heart change there. I didn't want to say those things because I didn't want to offend the Lord. God had changed my heart. When, when people see change in a person's life, and by the way, there should be some change in your life. Uh, you should have a new set of desires. And if there's no change in your life, you need to be concerned. Now, I realize some people are saved at age five. I'm not talking, you know, you you're not you're not going to have a whole lot of lists of sins when you're saved at age five. But, but what I'm saying is there should be a there should be a desire in your heart. There should be a, 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 a desire to please God, a desire to to obey God. If there's none of those things in your life, you need to question what's going on in your heart. But when there is those, those things, it will make you different. The Bible says you're a peculiar people. That's the King James translates it. I, I kind of like that. It's kind of funny in one way. But, uh, but we're a peculiar people. We're set apart. We're different than the world. Jesus says, don't be surprised if the world hates you. They hated me first. Don't be surprised if you're not at home here. Why? Because your home's in another place. We are not of this world. We are different. We're set apart. The power of God should bring a change to your life. And when that comes, people will notice. They will notice. So their devotion to God brought fear of God. It, it brought the power of God. And we need to be devoted so that God's power will rest upon us. And then also, it brought great generosity. Their devotion brought great Generosity. Look at verse 45. So they sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as anyone had need. Verse 44 says they had everything in common. Now some people say, well, the Bible teaches communism. This is not communism. Communism is when the government takes all you got and distributes it evenly, even though that doesn't usually happen out in real life. But... This was God's people of their own decision choosing to give their, their possessions away. I'm going to tell you something, that's remarkable. They were going, so if you had some extra land and you went and you sold that land and you brought it to the church and said, now give this to anybody in need in the church, that's what they were doing. People were choosing of their own free will to do these extravagant, generous things. I'm going to tell you something. The Spirit of God is not in stinginess. I hear people say, well, you know, the New Testament doesn't teach tithing. Oh, really? The Old Testament, they tithed. In the New Testament, they gave everything they had. They gave extravagantly. Are we under the New Covenant to do less than they did under the Old Covenant? We have... The greatest blessings in the history of, of of God's work. Why would we give less? Generosity comes as a natural byproduct of being devoted to God. So uh, they they're they're generous. I, I think of Elisha. You remember the story when Elijah was transferring his prophecy, prophecy ministry to Elisha, and he throws the mantle over Elisha's shoulder. You know what Elisha does? He goes and he slaughters his oxen. He's a farmer. Slaughters his oxen, makes a big feast for everybody, and burns uses, uses the wood from his plow to burn this oxen and cook this oxen makes a big party for everybody, and then he leaves. He sets it all behind him. What did the apostles do when Jesus called them? Come, follow me. You remember the sons of Zebedee? Jesus said, come, follow me. What did they do? They left their father's lucrative business, their fishing business, and came with Jesus. They left it all behind. You see... There's a a difference, there's a commitment in their heart. Now, God doesn't ask everybody to give everything they've got away, okay? But the fact is, when you are filled with the Spirit of God, you'll be a generous person. When you're devoted to God, there'll be a generosity about your life. Some of you are saying, well, you can't, can't give what you haven't got. Well, I understand. But you know what Jesus said? There's a little widow woman that gave two mites. It's less than a penny today. She gave and dropped it in the, in the offering plate. And you know what Jesus said of her? She gave more than all the rest because she gave out of her need. It's not the, the amount of zeros you have in your offering that's pleasing to God, it's your heart. And when you give as God leads you to give, and when you're gener- generous as God leads you to be generous, It pleases the heart of God, and it's a result of being devoted to God. So there was a great generosity. I imagine as they saw this great generosity among God's people, they were amazed. I heard about uh, Charles Stanley's church doing their fundraising for their new property, new building, and they they had to raise a certain amount of money within a certain amount of time and, and they were talking about sacrificial giving, and they had a couple come up during the invitation. And this, by the way, had been going on for several Sundays. So they came up, and they placed their wedding rings in the offering plate. And the pastor said, y- you know, you don't need to do this, you know. no. They said, no, God has told us to do this. God has told us to sacrifice this for the sake of this kingdom. And so after the service was over, they gave, they gave their testimony about what God had laid upon their hearts. And it just kind of set off a, a revival in the church. And all these people started bringing these, these extravagant gifts to God to, so that the work of God could go forward. I think that's the heart of what we see here. And it's a result of devotion to God. There's a generosity about the people of God. And by the way, I didn't intend to talk about tithing when I talked about that. But, you know, that's part of it, isn't it? So, uh, devotion to God brought about great fear of God, supernatural power of God, great generosity, but devotion also brought a unified passion for God. Look at verse 46. Every day, they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple complex, and they broke bread from house to house. So they met together. Now, that word together in my English translation doesn't sound too, too great, but it comes from a Greek word that means homo thumadon. It means the same desire. And the attitude, the idea is that they were a unified body with a same desire to reach people for Jesus Christ. They had a unified desire. They had a unified passion. Where the Spirit of God is, there's unity. Where the Spirit of God is quenched, there's disunity. Now, you say, well, what if one person is open, and the other person quenches the Spirit of God. Well, you know, I, I'll leave you to figure that one out. But the fact is, if if you are filled with the Spirit of God, you will have a desire to please God. And you won't be as concerned about personal goals as you are about God's goals. That's the idea here. They were all together in one place from, from all different walks of life, the rich, the poor... The, you know, it didn't matter. Whatever walk of life you were from, they had the same desire. Why? Because the Spirit of God had control of their hearts and He was leading the church according to His purpose. That's exciting to me to think about. Unified passion for God. You have a passion in your heart for God. I like the Old Testament story of Jeremiah. Jeremiah is a discouraged prophet, and he just, you know, he gets tired of it. You know, nobody's listening to him. He's preaching. He's, nobody's listening. And, and finally, he just quits preaching. I'm just not going to preach. He's mad. And, and he keeps, he gets more, and he just has his fire. He says, he says I, I tried to resist it, but I've got a fire in my bones. I've got to share. I've got to do it. I've I've got to fulfill what God has called me to do. I'm passionate. I've got to do it. If no one else does it, I'll do it. That was his heart. He had a passion for God. When you're devoted to God, you will have a passion for God. You won't be satisfied just to, as Adrian Rogers says, to sit and soak. You will have a passion to make a difference for Christ. Devotion to God brings a unified passion in your life. Passion for God. Then, devotion to God brings joy to our hearts. Verse 46, he says, They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. That word gladness... uh, is it comes from a Greek word that, that describes joy. They were joyful. Did you know the measure of your spirituality isn't measured by how miserable you look in church? You know, I, I, I've, you know, I had one person say, uh, you know, uh, preacher, you can't gripe about him falling asleep because you put him to sleep. You know, that's I. But uh, you know, there are some people they just look miserable in church. And some people carry it out with them. They look miserable everywhere they go. Can I tell you something? When you are filled by the Spirit of God, you're going to have joy. You're going to have joy. And the result of their being devoted to God was that they had joy. And there's a magnetism to the joy of the Lord. You know, Jesus was, was such a person that the little children would come up to him. You know what that tells me? He wasn't a stuffed shirt. He had joy. There was a, a friendliness, a, a joyfulness about his life, and people were just drawn to Jesus because of that. I think that's one reason the early church had such an impact. People said, well, you know, hey, we, we all have the same problems. Well, why are these? What's up with these people? Why are they, do they have this joy? They were devoted to God. Some people think if they devote their lives to God that it will be miserable. I, I told the story before about I used to think if I truly surrendered to God, I'd have to go to Africa and marry an ugly woman. And that's just what I thought. People think that. They think if they surrender to God, if they if they're devoted to God, that God's going to curse their life and you know and, and make them miserable. It's the opposite. When you devote your life to God, there comes a joy that is there. It's not that you won't have trouble. There are tr- there's trouble for Christians as well. Sometimes even more trouble. But I'll tell you this: they can have joy in the middle of it. The result of their devotion to God was that they had joy. So they had a fear of God. They saw the power of God. They were generous and had a passion for God. They had joy in their hearts. And then their devotion to God brought praise to Him as well. They had a heart to praise God. Verse 47, they were praising God. Praising God. Ongoing idea there. Um, when you're filled with the Spirit of God, you want to praise Him. You want to praise Him, and, and, and your heart wants to respond to what God has done for you. And uh, uh, you know, I was—I so, remember when when God saved me. I'd, I'd been so miserable for so long, you know, because I'd, I'd been resisting it. I've been, um, and I was just kind of miserable with myself anyway. When when I came to Christ, and there was a new joy there. It, it was like the burden, of, the guilt was gone, the, the, all of that was gone. And, and I had this joy, and it was, it was like, man, I just wanted to praise God. I, I, I get emotional. You know, some people think, well, you know, you're not, we're not Pentecostal preachers. Don't talk about emotion. It's okay. Did you know God created emotions? He did. Our mind, our will, and our emotions, all three. Nothing wrong. Now, you don't try to work up emotion for emotion's sake. But when your heart responds to God, and you're moved by the Spirit of God, and you're moved by the Word of God, and you want to respond to Him with joy, there's nothing wrong with that. So, they had a joyfulness about them. The result of their devotion was joy. We need to be devoted, and the result of that, the importance of that, we'll have a joyful life. And the people will see God in us. We'll have a praising heart. And then we'll also have an evangelistic impact. It's interesting to me. uh, Verse 47 says, They were praising God and having favor with all the people. And every day the Lord added to them those who were being saved. Because of God's work in their lives, they had favor with the people. There was a, there's a magnetism about it, what God was doing in their lives. Um, I'm sure some of you have been part of services before where the Spirit of God came down and people who'd been angry with each other for years cross over the aisle and made up. And, you know, God just doesn't work. And, or maybe somebody who's been an alcoholic or has been a drunkard pours the alcohol down the drain and says, I'm, I'm, I'm living it forever. And and the work of God. And people see these things. And there was an evangelistic impact to it. People saw what God was doing. And also the Spirit of God. Because they were obedient to the Lord. They were devoted to God. The Spirit of God was moving in the hearts of lost people in a a special way. So that God added daily to their number. Did you know there are many Southern Baptist churches that don't baptize one person in an entire year over and over again you see it's a it's God's work uh, I had a preacher friend at one time who who told me he said uh I like doing funerals better than weddings he said because when I do a funeral they stay dead uh well I, <laughs> You know, you, you, may, you may feel like uh, sometimes, hey, you know, people go through the baptistry and, and you know, sometimes they leave or whatever. Jesus said, hey, God God is doing this work, that he, the parable of the sower, and, and the, some receive it, some bear fruit, and others don't. But there should be a work of God, and if there's not, if people aren't being saved, there's something wrong. And notice it wasn't the apostles who added them. Now they were responsible to give a witness, as are all of us, responsible to give a witness. But it wasn't the apostles who added them. It was God that added them. Look what he says. Every day the Lord added to them those who are being saved. You know what that tells me? If God's not adding them, they're not going to get added. Doesn't matter what you do, doesn't matter how many gymnastics you go through. The Lord has to add them. You see, the result of their devotion to God, the result of the fact that God was their number one priority in their life, not only affected them, it affected their lost community. And God began to bring people to Christ through the witness of his people. I've I've witnessed before in the power of the Spirit and I've witnessed when I was doing it in the flesh. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, two completely different circumstances and completely different situations. In one, it was, it was a misery without, without effect. and the other, it was the easiest thing in the world. When God is working in somebody's heart and he has prepared them, as you share, he does the work in their heart. And uh, so their devotion... Brought an evangelistic impact. Let me ask you something. Are you devoted to the Lord? Not, I'm not asking do you come to church. I'm glad you do. I'm not even asking you if you tithe. I'm, I'm glad you do. I'm not asking you if you go to Sunday school. I'm glad you do. Or if you sing in the choir, if you serve in some leadership role in our church. I'm glad you do. That's not what I'm asking. Are you devoted to Christ? Is he number one in your life? If he is, God will begin to work in your life. You'll begin to see the results of being devoted to Christ in your life. I believe that's true of an individual. I believe that's true of a family. I believe that's true of a church. Are you devoted to Christ? If not, you need to make a decision today. You say, well, preacher, I'm already saved. That's okay. The Bible says saved people can repent too. I'm thankful because I've needed to do it many times. If you're saved and you know Christ, you need to come to this altar today and, and say, Lord, change my heart. Forgive me for the sin. Did you, by the way, did you know it's a sin not to have God number one in your life? It is. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Jesus said that's the greatest commandment. If you fail in that, you've broken the greatest commandment. Is he number one in your life? If not, you need to confess that sin to God and say, Lord, change my heart. Forgive me of this sin. And, Lord, I'm choosing to be devoted to you. And I'm trusting that your spirit will do this in me and change my heart. I'd like to invite you to come and, and pray something like that in your own own words to God and, and just let him know that you are choosing to be devoted but you're also trusting him to do that through your life. Maybe you're here today and you don't know Christ. Can I tell you the first step of coming to Christ? It's, it, of, of walking in this devotion is to make that decision to repent of your sin and to receive the forgiveness that Jesus has provided for you. Christ died for your sin and paid the price so you could be forgiven and given a home in heaven. He rose from the dead to show you that he is able to deliver on this forgiveness, and he is able to provide this eternal life. And if you're willing to turn from your sin and receive this forgiveness that God has offered you, he will save your soul. That's the promise of God. And you can begin walking with him. And you make that day-to-day choice afterwards. It's not that you once you're saved, you're saved, but you make that day-to-day choice. Today I'm surrendering to Christ. Jesus called it taking up your cross daily. I surrender to Christ. He's going to be number one in my life. I put aside everything else. I'm going to give him the time that he requires. I'm going to give him the service that he requires. I'm going to spend time with him, whatever it is. I choose today to make him number one in my life. It's a daily thing you'll have to do each day of your life, but you must do it. If you do it, there'll be a result in your life. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. God, I pray that in my heart and in each heart of every person in our church, God, that you would help us to be devoted to you. Help us to see the importance in all these things that will happen, Father, as we're devoted to you. Help us to see the potential of being surrendered to you and of living a life, Father, that honors you. And Father, when when you bring this change and when you work in us, Lord, we ask that you receive glory. We ask that you do things, Father, that can only be explained through the supernatural working and power of God and that you add people to your church.